emergency, just so long as they don't hurt anyone else in the process. The GIB hurt no one. Indeed, they boost the profits of the Royal Mail. They may exaggerate occasionally. I need a little more persuasion before I shall accept that ending a sentence with a preposition is the root cause of moral decay in this country. But their hearts and their heads are usually in the right place. So let us salute the GIB for their eccentricity and their unflagging energy, though an author's life would be a little easier if they forsook their scratchy pens for a word processor or even a typewriter. Many people saw the book as an opportunity to share their pet hates. The posher sent me their bête noire. My office became a menagerie of deformed and repellent creatures. We had become a nation of stores, not shops. Drives had become driveways, windows and our window areas. There were no longer warehouses, just distribution centres. You could no longer buy a blouse, only a top. Small children routinely talk of their butts rather than their bottoms. Nothing was more than something else it was now in excess of. Estate agents were blamed for that, of course, as they offer so much else. And, to the horror of many, none of this was going to change any time soon. I began to feel I was at the centre of a web of vigilantes who are forever on the lookout for some verbal delinquency or other that has to be reported back to HQ. So I was the first to be informed when the Times printed a headline saying, The slowdown in the housing market is gaining speed. And when a farmer in the Lake District received a communication from the Department of the Environment talking about the sheep national envelope... It was instantly put into a real one, of course, and sent to me. I was invited to squirm that a BBC newsreader had been heard to say known offenders are being fed into a computer. One long-suffering commuter shared my bafflement at trains being terminated and doors being alarmed. His own train was delayed, according to the announcer, because it hadn't yet platformed. Someone else invited me to unmask the young MP Ed Ball's close buddy of Gordon Brown. How, the writer wondered, could he possibly be the rising hope of those stern and unbending Brownites if he could offer this comment on the notion of Britishness? The danger with Remembrance Day is it becomes a purely backward-looking event. Another wanted me to share his disdain for the Liberal Democrat leader, Simingis Campbell, for having said, in an interview during the leadership election campaign, there is no silver bullet on carbon emissions. My correspondent scoffed. Is there a silver bullet to deal with any political problem? They might as well say they can't wave a magic wand, which, of course, the idiots do say all the time. The language of official bodies continues to get up the noses of lots of people, especially when it involves spending our money. One letter writer was very upset that the Metropolitan Police had spent a small fortune changing its logo. Think of all the stationery and signboards that would have to be redone, from working for a safer London to working together for a safer London. Another was exercised by the reported proposal, still out for consultation, of course they always are, that traffic wardens should be renamed civil enforcement officers. Apparently these new beings would be given greater discretion, including imposing variable fines. Presumably this would mean you wouldn't have to remortgage the house for getting back to the metre five minutes too late, although you would if you were a persistent offender. But it was the change of name that really rankled. He wrote, Can you imagine anyone ever storming into the living room, face purple with anger and screaming, That effing civil enforcement officer has just given me a ticket? No, indeed. There's no getting round the fact that there is a whiff of sadomasochism among those of us offended by poor language. 
One woman wrote to me, I thought you would hate this, so I had to send it to you. What so upset her was a letter from a company that organises conferences. Here's a bit of it. We have the capacity next year to enable you, if you wish, the opportunity to meet with these delegates within your meeting schedule. Obviously, if you didn't want to meet with them, we will offer you the facility to negative preference them individually. Technical jargon goes marching on, crushing all before it. In the IT business, they use legacy when they mean old, probably best not to ask why, and this is how a company that sells barcode readers described one of their very old systems. A legacy narrow-band wireless system that had served its purpose over ten years but had gone end of life. Isn't gone end of life so much more evocative than obsolete? Businessmen have their own glorious way with words. Richard Lapthorne, chairman of Cable and Wireless, tried to defend a bonus package he wants to introduce for senior management. They get £220 million worth. He admitted the scheme was a bit idiosyncratic, but described it as a toolkit hmm? designed to introduce the sort of performance-related pay seen in the venture capital industry. He said, it's not about instant returns. We don't get turned on, per se, by money. Well, quite so. When last heard of, Cable and Wireless was planning to cut 3,000 jobs in the UK. Even words and phrases that have long settled into our way of speaking still bring some people out in a rash of indignation. Sex, as ever, is a problem. Apparently, it's quite absurd to say you want to sleep with someone, since the phrase refers only to the before and after and skirts the object of the exercise. And when it comes to the main event, my vigilantes are concerned with language again. Why do we talk of having sex when it's the doing that counts? And it's ridiculous to talk about going out with someone when the whole point is to stay in and not to fall asleep either. People are obviously looking for leaders. One reader inquired, could you attempt to get the word fantastic made illegal? One television host uses it every other sentence and I'm sure gets paid enough to have a vocabulary. Broadcasters are in the crosshairs of many of my vigilantes, and quite right, too. Weather forecasters probably get more flack than most, which is a shame, because in my experience they tend to be very nice people. But there can be no pity in this business, and a crime is a crime. Verbosity is regarded as an indictable offence. A listener complained, They always say, during the course of the morning, instead of simply during, and more in the way of sunshine or cloud, when they mean sunnier or cloudier. More in the way of sunshine must mean cloudier to foreigners. Nor does it help when they add that more in the way of sunshine will be on offer. Has Tesco now cornered the market in fine weather too? The cartoonist John Smythe is baffled by sharp showers. He says he asked what it meant, but the man at the BBC didn't know. Since then he says the virus has spread and we now have the weather may become sharper. He fears that sharp showers will come to haunt him like cold snap does. But Mr Smythe, the self-confessed cheery soul, is one of the many whose greatest loathing is for unnecessary words. When he went to buy a DVD, the girl in the shop said she would pre-order it for him. He told her he'd be perfectly happy for her simply to order it, but she looked baffled. Nor does Mr Smythe approve of what he calls super-cool inversions. Now here's a flavour. Team Britain. Travel Ireland. Squash Welling, used to be called Welling Squash Club. There are many, many more, and all are equally baffling. And what about this word, worsenment? Someone told me he'd seen it in The Guardian, which turned out to be true. It was in the context of train delays, a worsenment of services. 
The Guardian poked fun at it quite right, too, and claimed it didn't exist. But that was wrong. It does. Apparently it's the antonym of betterment. So now you know. But let me not give the impression that all my correspondents were on my side, if only. I have been suffering a severe attack of the physician-heal-thyself variety. It seems I was a bit slapdash in my book Lost for Words with some of my prepositions. I'd written that my old friend Rod Little was fired from the BBC for writing rude things. The first reaction is, how did they do that? By cannon? Where did he land? Was he hurt? Surely it should be fired by the BBC. Mayor Culper again. I'd also committed the solecism of writing about decent public schools as though there could be such a thing as an indecent one. According to one reader, I betrayed my provenance by suggesting, slightly tongue-in-cheek, it must be said, that cuppa should be included in the Oxford English Dictionary. Another pointed out that it already is. It's an intriguing thing, this business of what's right and what's wrong. I have always hated meet with, or even worse, meet up with, and assumed it'd be one of our less welcome American imports. More fool me for not reading my Kipling properly. After all, he tells us that when we meet with triumph and disaster, we should treat the two impostors just the same. I was sniffy about out with, but had to run up the white flag after the umpteenth letter from angry Scots telling me it was not some modern version of guru-speak, but a word used north of the border since long before I had uttered my first sentence. Test out was another. I've always supposed the out to be a redundant preposition. I reluctantly concede defeat to those who may clear that it is self-evidently a helpful adverb meaning thoroughly. I thought I was on safe ground when I scoffed at on a daily basis. Surely daily was more than adequate. Seemingly not. Day is a noun, and a noun may be turned only into an adjective and not into an adverb. So it turns out that it's wrong to say...